Good morning. Good to see you guys. Thank you guys. Um, thank Penny. Uh, uh, thank you to Penny for uh, for teaching last weekend while I was gone. I was at one of the expo things I do for the for the other job, and uh, it's uh, it's funny when I. Uh, get to talking with these people and then somehow it comes back around to uh, which is I think a good thing somehow it comes back around to uh, that I don't do that full time I do this full time and they kind of like look at me and I feel like when they're looking at me for a moment there they're imagining a group of people you and I think they probably feel sorry for you I'm not sure but I think I think they feel sorry for you that that you are stuck with me as a pastor I don't know but uh, no, it's uh, it, it uh, was a good weekend, and I uh, uh, appreciate Penny speaking. And uh, then we had staff retreat. We did staff retreat from Sunday uh, afternoon. I joined them Sunday evening late, uh, and then uh, we did that through late Wednesday uh, afternoon. And so uh, just been praying and seeking the Lord about a whole bunch of things uh, going on uh, within the life of our church and our community, and I'm talking about some of that today. Uh, and so um, we'll get into that in just a minute. A couple things I just want to make mention of. Tuesday night, uh, we have uh, our community Thanksgiving service, and that is here. Uh, and that's several churches, local churches coming together. Uh, if you can come, come. Hang out with us. We'd love for you to be here. Uh, we're really trying to uh, be good with people's time. We know that the holidays get kind of crazy, uh, but uh, Tuesday night we'll do like a one-hour service, and when it's over with, um, one of the other pastors from the community is going to be speaking, and our guys will be leading music, of course. Uh, but um, when it's over with, we're going to have dessert, so if you want to bring a dessert with you Tuesday night to share with others, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, chocolate chip cookies are always good. Uh, you know, and if, you know, you just can't not have time, you know, double stuff Oreos are fine too. Uh, the other things I don't really care about. Caramel pie. We'll take caramel pies, uh, with no nuts. Okay. Leave, leave the nuts alone. They're really nice with chocolate chips on top of them though. If you see a pattern, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, no, seriously, we'd love for you to come Tuesday night, hang out with us. It's going to be a good time. Uh, for us to worship together with other friends from other churches uh, here locally. And then, um, uh, so then next Sunday, uh, and I'm, I'm telling some of you this because I know some of you started listening to Christmas music like five weeks ago. <laughs> and it's not right, okay? I'm just gonna, it's just, it's just not right. Uh, and so, but I know you're jonesing for it, so we're giving you Christmas starting next Sunday, okay? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so for those of you, and you can tell your friends that are also demented and, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, that, uh, that uh, we start our Christmas series next Sunday. We're excited about that, and so come uh, and, uh, and be with us for that. I think, I think that it will be, I think it will be very good. Uh, and, and to throw this in there, too, just for you calendar people, um, giving you guys several things today, uh, is um, Christmas Eve this year is on a Sunday. And so on Christmas Eve this year, if you're not familiar with 24, uh, what we do generally around Christmas, we always have a Christmas Eve service. And it is turned into like Easter number two. It will be packed. There will be people everywhere. There will be nowhere to sit. If you're here late, you'll probably be sitting on like a wooden pew that the guys drag in from the foyer into here or something. But, um, you know, we'd love for you to be here. We'd love for you to be a part of that. And that will be at 8 p.m. that night, one service, Christmas Eve. We will not have Sunday morning services on Christmas Eve. Uh, we want to be good with people's time, with their families and all that. So 
Uh, we try to try to be very careful with not trying to overschedule people, uh, and uh, and that includes even all the folks that do this uh, and help make our services happen and that kind of thing too. So 8 p.m. Christmas Eve, uh, you've got that, and I'm sure you'll be reminded of it again later. Um, so. If you got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to jump into uh, to what we're talking about today. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, and they would love to bring you one. Just throw your hand up. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to keep that one. It's a gift. We'd love for you to have it. We have uh, someone who actually helps provide Bibles for our church for people to take them. So please take that one. If you don't own one, if you don't, if you don't have a good translation, I don't care. Uh, you know, take that one, keep it. Uh, we'd love for you to be able to uh, to have that and let God speak to you through it. It is His Word, and we fully believe that. So. Um, so today, uh, we're talking about uh, something that um, is kind of near and dear to all of us, and, and it's a little bit about our community, but it's a whole lot about uh, our calling to our community. Um, so let me kind of wind back the clock a little bit. 13 years ago, we started a church, and when we started a church, we started meeting in a in uh, Pleasant View Elementary School, and we jumped from there to another school, and eventually ended up with uh, this building. And all along the way, like every step of the way, I mean, I just, and we don't have time for it, but I could just tell you story after story after story about how God, like, made, made things happen crazy things. I mean, just nutso things. That, like, I mean, it was like, as they would happen, like, it was like, we didn't do that. You know, that's God, like he gets the glory, you know, and he does, and, and, and it's been an amazing ride, and, and so, but when we started the church, we did so, not because we were, we were like, hey, let's, let's start a new hip, cool church so that all the church people can leave their churches and come to our church. That was not the plan, and, and it's still not the plan, if you didn't know. Uh, the plan was that we believed in our hearts that God wanted to use a different type of church to reach different types of people than what maybe other churches were reaching. And we felt like there was a niche there. We felt like it, felt like it was a calling for us to do this. And so uh, we began to work toward doing that, and we planted 24. 13 years later, here we are, be 13 years technically in January. We, we moved back in September of 04. Uh, to begin working on things, but 13 years in January. Um, 13 years later, we are finding that the culture here is changing. And, and a lot of it for the good, there's a lot of great things going on in the culture that we have uh, that's, that's around us and uh, new businesses and all these things. And this is stuff that we, we planned on from day one. I mean, we, we, just, we always felt like this was the in-between of Nashville and Clarksville. It's the in-between of two county seats. It's just destined to grow. It's destined to have people move here. And that means that it's destined to have a large need of people who need Jesus. And so we started the church based on all of that. None of that was accident. That was all prayed over, all that stuff. And so here we are, 13 years later, things begin to happen, things are good. And then there's some things about our community that, you know, as I have been praying and I have been seeking, and Tuesday night I even went to our guys and just, you know, told them, I said, guys, I, I feel like God is, is telling me in my heart that we have to figure out how to reach our community, that we need to be about reaching our community. That may be a shocker to you. You may be kind of going, 
Well, I thought we were already reaching our community. In the first service, there was no seats. In fact, they told me there were no parking, lot, parking spots either. I don't know why everybody wants to get up early. I'd come up here at 8 o'clock at night and do Christmas Eve service all the time, if you guys were cool with it. Uh, but uh, whatever. And so, but, you know, so it is packed. You know, obviously we're reaching people. But I know that the community's needs are changing and I know in my heart that we can't ignore them. So there are some of those needs that are great. Some of those are just people moving here and people that need a church home and, and still people that need Jesus and want to show them Christ. But then there's some other things that we see in Scripture that lead me to believe that there are other people in our community. Many of them have been here for a long time. Many of them, maybe they have moved here more recent years or whatever. But they have different needs and there are different things going on. Some of that is not good. Some of that has to do with things like drugs. And I know it's not like a popular thing to talk about, but if drugs is a huge issue in our community, then we have to talk about it. We can't ignore it. We can't pretend like it's not going on. Um, one of the deputies, one of our Cheatham County deputies was in the first service. Uh, near tears talking to me after the first service today and, and just saying how glad he was that we were talking about this and that, that we were pursuing something. And that's what I feel led, that's what we feel led to do, that we feel led to pursue reaching people with struggles that are oftentimes the things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And you say, well, Chris, you know, what about, you know, other things. Well, yeah, we want to we reach anybody that God would let us do. But, but, here, but here's the problem. We have an epidemic, and we know what it is, and, and for that reason alone, I don't think we can ignore it. So let, let me, let me and maybe, maybe you're clueless, maybe you don't know. Um, so in Cheatham County, according to our sheriff, according to our local law enforcement, we are losing three to four people a week from overdoses. Three to four people a week. A young man that I talked to right here two months ago, we did a memorial service for last Thursday night, and I stood right there while we did that. Right where I talked to him. It's an epidemic. It's a problem. You say, well, Chris, it seems like a weird thing to talk about at church. I don't think so. I, I think it's weird that other people don't talk about these types of things at their churches. I think that it is our duty to recognize the needs of our community. 13 years ago, remember what I said, 13 years ago, we started church, and God led us to plant this church right here in this community. And by the way, we want to be about planting more churches. We'll be talking about that in the days ahead, too. You'll be hearing us talk about some of that and some Sango stuff going on here pretty soon. Um, but God led us to do that to reach the people of this community. Folks, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know, and I'll talk about this more in here in just a minute, I don't know of another church that God has more perfectly put, and I don't mean this in any kind of like whatever way, I don't know of any other church that God has put into this community for us to be able to help hit some of this stuff head on than 24 Church. And by the way, when I talk about 24 Church, I am not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about 
brick and mortar, I'm talking about the people that make up the body of Christ that call themselves 24 Church. That's you guys. That's me. That's us. So, this coming year, I feel like God is leading us to be about doing something. One of the, one of the things that we talked about uh, in Matt, at Matt's memorial service the other night, by the way, Frank, Matt's dad, who he lost his son to this that we had the memorial service for last week, Frank was back here during the first service today while I talked about this, and I know he was glad that I would talk about it. Matt was an incredible young man, by the way, who had an addiction. He had a problem. And that is part of the problem is that so many people with so many, so many things like that, so many issues, so many addictions, uh, they go and hide. They're not going to talk about it. We have to let them know that this is a place where they can come and talk about it. And we want to help them. We want to help them get help. We, we're blessed with having guys in our church that that's what they do, is they help people with addictions. And I'm not talking about just like, you know, they're like you know, patting them on the back. I'm talking about like programs that they've been running for years. Not just, not just send them to rehab for 30 days, but like long-term recovery programs, sober living houses, and so on and so forth. We want to help people. We want this to be a place that those people who don't even know our names know that this is a place where they can come and be loved and be helped and not be judged for whatever the problem is that they've got going on in their, life, in their lives. We want them to know that we see them just like us. We're all sinners coming to the table all the same needing Jesus, period. So, how do we go about this? Well, it turns out that I have got all the answers to all the problems. And that's a lie. <laughs> I do not. I just know this. I know that God has positioned our church, talk about this again here in a minute, God has positioned our church for such a time as this that I really believe that 2018 will be a year that we will look back on as a church and we will remember that year as being a moment in time where God began to use us in the lives of others. There's going to be some other things going on in 2018 that are awesome. I think we're going to help start a church, and that's awesome. We're probably going to build a building out here, and I'm pretty excited about that because, man, that's been a long time coming, or build onto our building, I should say. Uh, so we've got some stuff, some space, some kids' space, offices, and things like that. So, you know, we can look back and go, oh, yeah, it was a great year. You know, we built some buildings to start a church. I think we look back on it and we say, oh, that's overshadowed by that's the point in time when this church decided that we were going to Seek out reaching these people who need Jesus. They need Jesus. We need Jesus. Ministry is messy. I don't know if you've noticed. But ministry is messy. And we will have to get our hands dirty. One of the conversations that we were having the other night, uh, after Matt's memorial service right back there in front of the sound booth with several folks from our church and, and uh, there was a lot of people here by the way um, they played metal through the whole service I really liked that um, but uh, you know afterwards we were talking and, and Zach, in fact it was one of our staff members who was actually be surprised at this probably not uh, that was talking about how they you know when they were growing up they did drugs too no big deal 
You did drugs, you quit doing drugs. You wanted to quit doing drugs, you just walked away from it. Things have changed. The drugs that people are using now are, are changing people. They, they are addicted in a way. They have a sickness. It is a disease. They need help. And so here's, here's what I'm proposing. I'm proposing that God not only has called us to try to help these people, I'm proposing that he has positioned us to do so. I think first we have to come from Scripture. So let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And in James 1, we have this passage that is, that is one of these passages that a lot of people refer to it a lot of times. And, it's, and it's, you know, if, you ever, if you ever hear anybody talk about, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites, number one, they're probably right because we're all sinners and we all struggle to do what God's called us to do no matter what. Uh, but the truth is, is that this passage is one of those passages where we see more clearly what a hypocrite would look like versus what it doesn't look like. And, and specifically, being a doer of the word. James talks about, in this passage, being doers of the word. In other words, that we would follow, that we would actually live out and do what God has called us to in his word. Well, it ends in this little snippet. And I, I'm, I'm trying to do little snippets today because I'm going to talk a million miles a minute about a thousand things. And I really wanted to share like two whole passages out of James, and I'm just, I just told myself we didn't have time to do that, so I'm going to refer to stuff, and you can go look at it later. But James 1 ends with this little snippet in verse 26, and it says this after he's talked about this whole being doers of the word, and what does that look like? Here's what it looks like right here, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. This is the first of three things that James gives us right here. And this is convicting for me because I don't always bridle my tongue. And if you came on staff retreat with us this week, you would see that all of us struggle with that. Okay, so this is a struggle for probably most of us at some point in time in our lives. This is just one of those things. But this is, I mean, it's, it's important. It, it shows our heart. It shows where our heart lies a lot of times when, when we can't control. And so he's talking about this bridle like a horse would wear in its mouth where you could control the horse like we should be able to control our tongue. Anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart. So he's, he's putting these two things together. We think it's not that big a deal. We're actually deceiving ourselves. We know, we know better um, that you know, you're deceiving your heart and therefore, this is what comes out, this person's religion is worthless. Now, that's a big statement. Verse 27 goes on. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And it goes on, it says, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we have two more things here. We have visiting orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now the third thing right there is that's, that's pretty hard. I mean, we, we know, like we're called to live in the world, but not of the world. In other words, we're not supposed to, as Christians, when we come to Christ, build ourselves a bubble and then have nothing to do with anybody else. That is the opposite of what God has called us to do. He has called us to go out and glorify him, making him known that other people would know him because they know us. So very simple, understandable, uh, but the truth is, is that we, we struggle with this whole, you know, not being stained by the world, not, you know, getting ourselves so worked up into things of this world. Well, let's go back to the second thing there. It says, to visit orphans and widows. 
Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now this, this verse right here, this is a, this is a key verse. You'll, you'll hear this verse you know, oftentimes you know, uh, by lots of different people you know, for different reasons you know, uh, brought up. And for us this morning, I think it's a very important verse. Because for us this morning, I think that it helps us even see just a glimpse into maybe some of the issues that are going on within our own community. Now, I'm not coming in here today like with the I've got the key to solving it all kind of scenario, okay? I know there's a whole lot that goes, I've, I've dealt with, helped lots of folks with drug addictions, okay? Um, and, and I know that every single one is very different. Uh, they need different kinds of help, different kinds of things going on. But, but here's what I see. I see this issue of orphans and widows. Now, by the way, as I'm talking through this this morning, I want you to know if you're a single parent, to me, you are a rock star. We have some single parents in this church. We've got some single mamas in this church that are raising families that would outwork any dude that I know. I mean, I, I am absolutely and utterly amazed at how some of these folks do it, I, I, a rock star. Now, here, now here's the thing. If you are a single parent, I want you to know, and I hope you already know this, that we love you and we feel called as a church to help you and be there for you and help, help provide for you, whatever it is, that we would be there, that we would be your church family. So that leads me to I think this peace that we have to offer, 13 years ago we started church. Remember why did we start church? Oh, to get other Christians to come. No, that's not the reason. It's to reach people who don't know Jesus and to make much of him, to make him known. So if we apply that to this community 13 years later, and I sure hope to goodness that we never stop applying that to the community in which God has called us to be his church, to be a light, then I'm going to make an argument that there's a whole bunch of hurting people in our community, and I know they don't make up the whole community, I'm very aware of that, but here's the truth, here's the truth, and this is a, this is a hard pill for some people to swallow. It's easy for us to reach people who are just like us. It's easy for us to reach people who don't have the same struggles that we do, or, and we're guilty of this, they don't, they don't deal with the same struggles the way I deal with them. So here's the truth, because I know for a fact, there's somebody probably sitting here right now, who's also struggling with drug addiction, maybe it's alcohol addiction, or maybe it's some other kind of addiction, maybe it's porn, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's all sickness, all things that we need help with as sinners, okay? And, and these are struggles. These are things that we need to get help with. And for us to say, oh, we're only going to minister to people just like us, and we're not going to minister to all these people, did you miss the three to four people are dying a week in Cheatham County? They need Jesus. They're God's creation. He loves them. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for all who would believe. And so maybe you're sitting here right now, and maybe the biggest question you can ask yourself is, do I believe 
have I believed in Christ? So we go back to the issue at hand that we're called to visit orphans and widows. And by the way, I love that it says visit. It doesn't say have, a, have, an, have an orphan and widow Sunday and invite everybody to come for orphan and widow Sunday. <laughs> How weird would that be, you know? I mean, yeah, we talk about adoption. I'm going to talk about adoption here in a minute. We, we, we may have an adoption Sunday. That's completely different. We're talking about people who are in need right now who need us to be something that we already are for each other, and it's a family. It's a family. They need a family. And again, this, this gets into hands getting dirty, right? I mean, that means, that means that there might be somebody next Thanksgiving or the Thanksgiving after that sitting at your table that you don't even know right now. You're like, for real? Like, you want, you want me to bring somebody I don't know into, into my family for Thanksgiving? What if they're crazy? Have you met your family? I'm going to tell you something. I have daggum enjoyed bringing some crazy people into my home to be a part of our crazy family Thanksgivings. To me, it's kind of lightened the load. I, it's, I, I don't know. There's just kind of something about it. Like, you know, there's just, I don't know. It's just something. There's something cool about it. God is calling us to go to them, to visit them, to make them a part of the family. Now, we have this understanding from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that we have been adopted. It says this, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, Why? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Full access. He did, God, God doesn't bring people into the family and he's like, well, you, you, know, you kind of did a lot of bad stuff, so you're kind of like a stepchild. You know? God doesn't, God doesn't do that. When he brings people into the family, he full on brings people into the family of God. He makes them heirs. He says, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So, one of the pieces, okay, it's just a piece, it's not the fix-all, so don't quote me saying, oh, what church today, Chris thinks he's going to fix all the problems in Cheatham County, Robertson County too, well, who's he think he is? Well, I'm an idiot, so you can just say that, okay? One of the issues that I see is fatherlessness. People without fathers. Kids without fathers. So, so let me paint this picture to you. 
We, we know, and I'm gonna, I'll give you some pieces of this puzzle here in just a second to help you put some of it together. We know that not having a father affects things. Here's, in fact, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Here's, here's how much it can affect things. These are statistics, okay? These are just statistics. I'm not, I'm, don't, don't kill the messenger or whatever. I'm just, just sharing some stuff with you. It says nearly 75% of fatherless American children will experience poverty before the age of 11. Nearly 75% of fatherless children will experience poverty before the age of 11 compared to 20% of those raised by two parents. Fatherlessness is the number one cause of poverty in America. Although it happens on occasion, very few children are living in poverty with a father in the home. Father being involved or not being involved in the picture is a huge piece of the puzzle. Now, again, I, if you're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't have a father, or you know, my, my family doesn't have a father, whatever, listen, this is not to beat up on you. I want you to know that. We as a church, are, we, are, we want to recognize a need here, and we want to help meet it. We don't want to talk about it. You're not like uh, the dog and pony show that when we look at you, we love you. We care for you. We want to care for you. And if anything, I hope that talking about this today helps bring more awareness so that we will. It goes on, it says this, it says, uh, children without fathers in the home are more likely to drop out of school, more likely to develop emotional and behavioral problems, more prone to fall victim to child abuse or neglect. Fatherless males are more likely to become violent criminals and so where does that come from? Here's where that comes from. Fatherless males represent 70% of the prison population serving long-term sentences. It's not just a made-up thing. That's straight up. 70% of fatherless males are serving long-term sentences. 43% of the children in the United States live without their father. That might, be the most, that might be the most jarring statistic of them all to me. 43% of children in the U.S. don't have a father. Tell me there's not a need. Tell me that Scripture doesn't talk about it. Tell me that we should ignore it and pretend like everything's okay and we just keep re- reaching rich white people like us. Not what we're called to do. We know what we're called to do. We're called to go and to visit the orphans and the widows. What's it look like? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't got all that figured out. We got all of 2018 to figure that out. As a matter of fact, I know some of you are planners, okay? So get out your calendars, all right? You ready? Where are the planners? I, I know you're in here. Don't, don't play like you're not. Two, oh, get the word to her. She's going to really need to know. Um, 2018... We want to go after this. We feel led to this. We feel like God is calling to this. What's it look like? What it looks like? I think it looks like a whole bunch of things. For some of you, it may be that you're called to adopt. Some, for some of you, it may be called that you're supposed to get involved in foster care. But, but did you know that we have people at our church who help people figure out adoptions? We have a lawyer in our church who helps people figure out adoptions. They have been through an adoption. So it's not like something that is you know, crazy to them or whatever. 
And it may also be as simple as us making friends with our neighbors. Having a micro church in our home so that our neighbors can come and get to know us. They can eat our food. And you know, what's to say that the food that they eat at our micro church isn't the best food that they eat all week? If you don't think that that's not possible, I'd like to take you for a car ride. Because there are people in this county living without electricity. There are people in this county living in shacks. There are tons of people, more than you would ever want to know, who are living one and two steps just above that, right now, right here, a mile from my own home, where we have the heat on right now and we're not even there. God's called us to these people. He's put our church right here for these people. And poverty is huge. And here's how I know poverty is huge, a huge piece of this uh, is because I went to the dollar store about, I don't know, a couple months ago. And one of the things that I get at the dollar store, which usually is like French fries and donuts or something, but I mean, whatever, you know. But I, one of the other things that I get at the dollar store just down from my house is I get Octane Booster. Well, most of you don't even have a clue what Octane Booster is. You don't need to know, really. But it's this little bottle of stuff that I put in my gas in the hot rods because it makes them go faster, okay? So that's why we, that's why we use it. And so I, I try to use it every tank of gas and run no ethanol, high test, whatever, you know. And it's not like you're driving these things all the time anyway. But, you know, so I go and generally I'll buy a whole bunch of those things. They're cheap. And I loved when the dollar store came in, one of the things that I loved about it was I loved that they were so cheap because I thought, well, you know, I'm going to be able to buy these things all the time. So I, I'll, I'll stock up on them and put them in the cars or whatever. And so I went in the other day, and I'm getting my whatever, my fries, my donuts, and then I go looking for the octane booster. Well, I get to the thing where they are, and it's got the fuel injector cleaner and the, the gas treatment and all these other automotive things. And then the place where the octane booster goes, just, it's just empty. I was like, well, that's weird. I didn't think anything about it. I thought, the only thing I really thought was weird, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person buying this stuff up here. I'm like, I'm like I thought they stocked it for me, you know? And so I was like, well, somebody else must be, you know, on to, on to what's up. And so anyway, I, I go on, and I go to check out, and while I'm checking out, the girl asks, you know, did you find everything okay? And I was like, yeah, it's all good. I, well, you know, I did miss, uh, I didn't have any, didn't, you probably don't know what this is, but you, you didn't have any octane booster back there. And she goes, oh, well, it's right here. And she turns around, and she reaches down. It's on a shelf behind the counter. And I said, oh, okay. I was like, what? She's like, how many you want? I was like, whatever you got. Just give me, you know, five, six, whatever. I don't care. She puts them up there, and I said, What's the, why, why do you have the Octane booster behind the counter with the Sudafed? And she was like, well, people steal it. I was like, what? I was like, for real? I mean, like, Last time I checked, like the hot rod community wasn't like full of thieves, I didn't think, you know, except on Gone in 60 Seconds, and then that's cool because he's trying to save his brother, whatever, but you know. Sorry. So she's like, people steal it, and I said, really? And she said, oh yeah, people use it to cook drugs. I said, are you, are you kidding me? And she's like, no. And then she kind of leaned, she said, that whole section... And I start looking at this section. The section is full of like the most random household 
cleaners and supplies and things that you would never dream, or maybe you would, trying to put in your body. And what it is, is that people have gotten so desperate. These drugs have made them so desperate. They are looking for anything that they can find to cut them with, to make them go longer, make them last longer, to make them more stout, whatever it is. And it was all kinds of crazy stuff. That tells me one thing. That's people in desperation without money who are desperately needing to get high. And that, my friends, is a community of people that are right here that we need to care for, that we need to go to. So, let me throw this at you. I think, I think God has positioned 24 church for such a time as this. And I think that I can argue it till the sun goes down. If you'll play a game with me, don't be afraid. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to try to embarrass anybody. The whole first service was like, with my game, all right? We're gonna go on full, full on with me. I'm going to ask you some questions. If it applies to you, I'd like for you just to raise your hand, okay? Raise, raise it up high where everybody can kind of see it, okay? You won't have to keep it up there for 10 minutes or something, okay? Just, just play along. I'm just going to ask a few questions here uh, if you don't mind, and, 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 we'll, and we'll, we'll do this together, okay? So here, here are the questions. Here's the questions to my little game. If you have ever been a teacher, or maybe you are a teacher now, and that includes homeschooling your kids as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you are a teacher, have been a teacher in any way, shape, or form, raise your hand. Raise them high. Come on. I want everybody to kind of see them at one time. Okay. A lot of hands. Okay. Have you ever been a manager, or you are a manager, uh, right now in a workplace? Raise your hand. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. All right. Um, have you ever owned a business? Raise your hand. Or maybe you own one now. A lot of hands. Okay. Have you ever, this, this might be less, have you ever started a business? Raise your hand. Okay. You're the crazy ones. Okay. I get it. I'm there. All right. Have you ever led others where you work in any way, shape, or form? You've been in charge of, of uh, training or whatever. Maybe you weren't a manager, or maybe it was because you were a manager or whatever. But uh, have you ever led others in the workplace in any way, shape, or form? Raise your hand. Okay. Have you ever left a job because you wouldn't settle for what that job was to go to another job? Raise your hand. All right. So, I did this in the first service too. <laughs> I would say there were very few people left in the room, adults, that had not raised their hand by the time I got through the end of that. I think that's probably pretty, pretty close to this too. And by the way, don't feel bad if you didn't get to raise your hand today. It's okay. Okay? It's, it's not a test of your self-worth or anything. <laughs> this is what that exercise tells me. It tells me that God has brought a ton of leaders together to make up this church. 
Think about that for just a minute. If you had seen first service, packed to the gills today, one of the teenagers told me they counted. I don't know, I don't know why he did, but he did. He was like, there's 205 in here at first service. I was like, okay, cool. Sweet. So you guys don't have to be on it all the time, I don't guess. Um, it tells me that God has ordained this moment. He's been preparing this moment for this church to be right here where these people are that need us to care for them and love them and to show them Jesus. And it's like the most simple thing in the world. But I'm telling you, we got to put it on the calendar because we are people who are too busy to take care of our own selves, much less somebody we don't know yet. And we need to be praying starting now that God would help us to see those opportunities when they come along. And I'll say all that to say this too. Addiction is hard. Specifically the addiction piece. That's not the only thing going on in our county, and I know that. But again, we can't ignore it, and we've got to talk about it. I think if we don't talk about it, we're, we're being silly. We're, we're ignoring something going on that, that we need to talk about. And here's one of the reasons why we need to talk about it, and I told this to the guys Tuesday night, it's that this needs to be a place where people, and, and Nathan was echoing this in something he was saying Tuesday night, this needs to be a place where people with those issues know that they can come and they can be loved and not judged for the issues that they've got and, and, and possibly even helped. So here, here's something cool. <laughs> and a little eerie. During the first service, I brought up that um, one of the ladies who's been a part of our church in years past, she's been gone now for about a year and a half, I, I believe. And she had a very hard, hard uh, alcohol addiction. I mean, just, man, I mean, the phone calls late at night, many of you in here ministered to her, loved on her. Uh, we helped her in a rehab at least one other time. <coughs> got clean for a while, fell back into it. It's just a terrible disease. I mean, it's just horrible. And so um, she's been gone now for over a year, about a year and a half, because she went into a rehab and she is in a long-term care facility and is now helping others. She's been clean for a year and a half. So I didn't, I didn't say her name in the first service. I just, I just said... You know, she's going to be back in December, and I just know she's excited to get to come back and to share with some of you what, uh, what's going on. So then I get off stage, first, or first service, and I go sit down. I've got a text message on my phone, and people text me all the time while I'm up here and stuff, and I don't pay any attention to any of it. Um, and I get this text message on my phone, and it's from a number that I don't have saved in my phone, nor do I have any other text messages from it. And it says this. Okay, I hadn't, I hadn't talked to her in a few weeks or whatever. She messaged a little while back saying she was coming in Christmas time. Get this message, and it just says this. At 9.49 a.m. this morning, listening to your message, having dinner with sinners, I can't wait to hear you in person and share what God has done for me. See you December the 10th. Tell my peeps. 
I pick up the phone, I read that like before I came up to receive people during communion and stuff, and I, I texted back, is this Melissa? And she said, yes, exclamation points. And then I just texted her back and said, I just talked about you without using your name in the message 10 minutes ago. And she just said, praise Jesus. I share that to say this. If you're here today and you're struggling with something, I just want to remind you of something that we know to be true from front to back of Scripture, and that's this. God is in the business of restoration. He wants to make you new again. He wants to take you and He wants to change your life upside down. He wants to work on you and make you into somebody that can be like a Melissa who's helping somebody else dealing with the same thing that she was struggling with a year and a half ago. Because the God that we serve is a God that is almighty and he has power, folks. He has power. His love has a power that is life-changing. And so let me just throw this on the wall to throw the picture out there. And it looks like this. 24 church, a church full of average people saved by an extraordinary Savior begin to intervene in the lives of people in our community for the sake of the gospel, building friendships, simply eating together, befriending one another, knowing our neighbors, and out of that, the trajectory begins to change. Fatherless children begin to have families. And I'm not dumb enough to think that we can replace dads, okay? But I am smart enough to know that our heavenly Father, their Creator, loves them just like He loves me and you more than anybody and anything, and He can change their lives. That's what we're called to. On the calendar, 2018, right? It'll get messy, but there'll be blessings. Let me close with this. I want to brag on our deacons. Last Sunday, and by the way, I love when things, I love when God does things and I'm not around because I, I loathe the thought that people think that the church is built around pastors or a pastor or whatever. I, that's, that's not who God has called the church to be. It is all of us together as a body of believers. Last Sunday, uh, one of the young ladies who's been coming to our church, known her a long time, she's talking to Joey. She's just making small talk. They're just talking, and she's a single mama. And uh, she's young, and she's recently gotten her own home. She's really proud of all this, but you know, just honestly hadn't had the money for a lot of things. And she just, she's kind of, I know her well enough to know how this conversation went. She's jokingly probably telling Joey about just some of the struggles or whatever, just reality as it is. And she brings up kind of on the, off the cuff that she's sleeping on the floor of her home. He lets our deacons know. And within 24 hours, they have found her bed and have set it up in her bedroom. And by Monday night, she was sleeping in a bed. That's the church. It's not buildings. It's us loving one another and being the family that God has called us to be.
the blessings that come from that are endless. But I will say to you this, and this is so important for us to bring up as we talk about that. We don't do this for ourselves to feel good about ourselves. We don't do this to pat ourselves on the back. In fact, Ephesians 2 says this. It says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. In other words, we don't take care of people to save ourselves. Jesus has done that work, and it is in him that we find salvation. But I'll tell you what we do. As doers of his word, because of what Christ has done in us, we respond with the love and care that God has given us when he adopted us into the family, that same love and care when we invite them to come be a part of ours. And there is power in God's love that changes people's lives. And I want to be a part of that. And I believe, I believe that God has brought together this amazing group of leaders and people who care and most importantly love Jesus and have been saved by him to minister to whatever epidemic we're going to have in this community. We'll talk more about this in the days to come. In between now and then, I just ask if you would pray. Pray for us as God leads our church, as we love others. And if you're hearing this right now, I ask you, have you believed? Have you trusted in Him to be your Savior? Let's pray together. God, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you didn't make it about something that we could do for ourselves. Thank you for the sacrifice of your one and only Son. God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be that love others, that care for widows, that help lead fatherless children and adults to find the true heavenly Father whose love never fails and is unending. God, show us the way. Guide us, Lord. We love you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.